Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to an emergency edition of the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and we got to get right into it. It is 2.30 in the morning on Sunday, September 12th, and it is a few hours after USC had an embarrassing home loss in the Coliseum, 42-28 to the Stanford Cardinal, a team going to the game that I called butt on a f- several shows. Still think they're not very good. We'll get into all of that. Uh, but USC was definitely not very good in this game. Uh, Stanford bounces back. They had, uh, you know, just a handful of rushing yards against Kansas State a week ago, score seven points, basically in garbage time, and came out right out of the gate and uh, put it right to USC. And big plays, efficient offense, um, no, you know, not a lot of penalties, no turnovers, just played a really clean brand of college football. And, uh, you got to tip your cap to David Shaw and his crew. They played a lot better than I expected. Didn't use the, uh, two quarterback system. Jack West was on the bench. Tanner McKee was, uh, really good in this game and USC, I mean, Stanford skill players came to play. I thought they dominated the line of scrimmage. Uh, protected McKee very well and just uh, you know played good. This was David Shaw football. It was on their schedule. This is the way Stanford likes to play, and you you let a team like that hang around and uh, just do you know dictate the the pace of the game. Uh, it was very formulaic, I guess you could say for Stanford. If Stanford's going to draw up a formula, uh, this was it. And uh, you know they efficient on on third down, five of ten. Um, you know, for a team like USC, uh, they did well on, uh, third down, uh, last week, this week they were six of 14, uh, so below 500 there. And, you know, had that pick six was obviously a big one, uh, a lot of penalties, um, you know, 111 yards in penalties, nine penalties. Um, I mean, that was pretty bad. You know, it's a penalty problem there. There wasn't really an offensive identity. Uh, that you could say, you know, it just seemed like they came out in five wides and then they tried to go back to the, you know, they did some two back stuff. They did two tight end stuff. It just never, it just didn't seem to be uh, any sort of like, hey, this is USC and this is what we're doing. And uh, I we so what I did during the game, uh, late in the game, I said, okay, we're going to do an emergency podcast. We've done that before. I haven't opened up the the voicemail line for people to call in and be upset. Very Reign of Troy. I know they love to open up their rant live, ra- rave line and rant line, and they do their car cast. Um, this is sort of like a car cast, but we're going to take voicemails. So I spent the last hour or so going through uh, 40-something voicemails, and I just tried to eliminate. I mean, I can't do them all, obviously, uh, but I got 20 of them that we're going to go through, and there's some really good ones. Uh yeah, sorry if it was too long. I didn't play it. Um, some of them were a little longer. I did because you know if they called me out or whatever it was, something that was a good point in there. But some of them just were kind of incoherent, and uh, so I apologize if we couldn't get to all of them. But um, there's 20 of them uh, in there. But I'll go over some of the stuff um, Clay Helton said uh, after the game. Well, stats wise, I can kind of walk you through. So USC actually outgained uh, Stanford 408 yards to 375. The problem is. USC did that in 75 plays, where Stanford only ran 53. So 5.4 yards per play for the Trojans, 7.1 for Stanford. Way more explosive plays, uh, just more efficient on offense. Uh, 18 first downs. Um, They got five first downs. Five of the 18 first downs came by a penalty for Stanford. So uh, some big problems there. Uh, I mean, this was... You know, Clay Elton talked about it. This was a team that got beat in all three phases of the game. And it's, I can't disagree with what Clay Elton said there. Stanford played better in all phases. And you know what's concerning to me? I mean, obviously, uh, the defense fell off significantly from what we saw 
uh, last week, giving up big plays, uh, at least five penalties by the secondary alone. Um, that was definitely concerning. There was a you know a bunch of issues bust in the secondary, um, but you know they played well last week. They didn't play well this week. The offense played pretty poorly last week, scoring twenty three. This week, scoring twenty eight, and you know seven garbage time points. Uh, you know you're putting basically three touchdowns on the board on offense each week. That is not going to get it done. The red zone uh, again. Uh, two trips inside the red zone that ended in field goals. So Stanford was four of four scoring touchdowns in the red zone. USC was three of five. Uh, obviously that's a big deal, but another big deal was special teams. And I think it's a real concern where I felt like Sean, Sean Snyder's a really good special teams coach. And I think he is, but we've seen a bunch of little miscues on special teams through the first two weeks. I'm going to try to talk to him this week. We'll get to talk to him on Wednesday, but I, you know, put, put a bunch of notes down. Um, you know, one of the, the things, you know, you had like a running into the punter, the big one though, and you know, a fair catch at the five yard line. The big one though, is USC going offsides on a Stanford field goal. And David Shaw said it was, they were, it was fourth down. I think they were like at the six or something, you know, fourth and goal from the six, uh, around there, five and a half, six, something like that. David Shaw was going to go for it. The plan was to go for it, but they just didn't get enough on third down. So they decided to kick the field goal. But they were close. It was a close decision. Well, USC made that decision easier by, on a made field goal, Stanford makes a field goal, USC goes off sides. Now the ball's at like two and a half or whatever, three, somewhere in there, two, two to three yard line. And what does Stanford do? They David Shaw... The riverboat gambler, apparently, who likes to punt from his opponent's 35 on fourth and one, takes points off the board and goes for the touchdown and gets it. Um, so we saw some aggression from David Shaw. I think they played uh, with reckless abandon. You know, the, we saw them play last week. I mean, it couldn't have been a different. They couldn't have been any more different than last week. I mean, last week. They're playing Kansas State. They're down 24, and they're still running clock. Like, they're taking the entire play clock. It was very David Shaw. It was very Stanford-y to do these things, you know, make these, you know, play two quarterbacks, um, you know, play, keep away, and run the try to run the clock down when you're behind three touchdowns. That's what David Shaw did last week. This week, he seemed to have all the answers, and he definitely outcoached Clay Helton and the Trojan coaching staff. But, we, I mean, it, their secondary played well. Um, I mean, they basically dared USC to run a lot and USC had some, uh, success on the ground, but just, it wasn't, you never felt that USC was going to stick to it. And so I think that was part of the, of, of the problem there. So it's man that, and that first, you know, you saw that, you know, Stanford gets the ball, 87 yard touchdown run, boom. Uh, that was already double what they ran for, uh, last week. So. And, and the other special teams play I forgot to mention, Parker Lewis, the very first play of the game. And remember, we saw the first play of the 2019 season where USC had uh, two two players wearing the same number and they, it negated a, a long kickoff. And you just knew, like, you waited like nine months for this. Well, this wasn't the season opener, but you got your big, strong kicker, Parker Lewis, coming down, get targeting on the very first play of the game, and he's kicked out. But... Uh, Alex Stathaus did a, a nice job filling in, uh, didn't miss any kicks. So uh, props to him. But um, they were just like, just problems all over the place. So uh, yeah, I mean, 21-10 at half. Uh, and then to start the half, USC gets the ball, which is like, okay, that's good news, right? Um, you know, last week, USC got the ball after halftime and just, you know, went three and out. This time they actually had a pretty good drive going, and I thought it would be the feeling I had on that drive was it was going to be like a feast or famine thing. It was going to be USC shoots itself in the foot, or they punch it in, and they're going to like try to take control of this game again, down eleven, and then you know cut it to four. Well, they almost shot themselves in the foot because a, a bad snap or a miscommunication snap, whatever it was, fumble, and USC recovers, but it did make the drive stall, and they end up kicking a field goal. And uh, cut it to 21-13. But it was pretty bad after that. Keaton Slowis threw that pick six. Um, went through, you know, hit Drake London in the hands. And then 
nice return uh, from Brian Kelly's uh, son, you know, former USA Trojan. Uh, he returns that for a touchdown. Um, yeah, so that was not not so good. Uh, you know, the you had a, a partially blocked punt, uh, but you know, USC ran into the kicker. Like, there's just all kinds of. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, running. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry. USC what didn't run into the kicker. USC had the punt partially blocked, but Stanford uh, ran into the kicker, a different guy. So that actually saved USC, but still wasn't a great punt after that. Um, and uh, I think Stanford was able to punch it in there too. But so, yeah. This is the lack of uh, offensive identity. I think is a big deal. Um, I the way they use the tight ends, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I just everything's clunky. I think Sean Cody called it clunky. I think on the broadcast, I feel like he is correct on that one. Nothing's and and if you listen to the the radio broadcast, Jordan Moore was talking about it that Stanford was doing things that just seemed to high, were high percentage, and they were doing that. It was like okay, this is high percentage. Um, boom. This is going to work. Uh, and for USC, everything was difficult. It's like nothing was coming easy. And I thought that was a great way to put it. It just wasn't. Like, there's not guys wide open. Uh, and there's there's just something not right in this offense right now. It's not an air raid. And what, there's some questions on that. I mean, you're, they're using way too much, like, two tight end personnel. It's just not an air raid. Um, and I feel like you're trying to get away from the air raid as much as possible possible and then you're doing things that you're not really competent in um i think graham harrow would probably be better off just running an air raid like stuff that he was familiar with like now it just seems like you're trying to create your own offense and i feel like that's what we saw from like lane kiffin and steve sarkeesian early on and uh the whole point you hire someone that knows a system is because they're competent in that system i feel like you hire graham harrow for a system that he's not brought and maybe it's because you know, Clay Elton wants them to run the ball more. They want to run this. I mean, it feels like you're just trying to keep people happy. Like, well, we got tight ends. We need to use more tight ends. And, well, we got to keep these running backs happy. And we got oh, we got to keep these wide receivers happy. Whatever it is, it just feels like you've, you've made a plan to, this is how, you know, we, want, we need a little of this. We need some of this. And, like, let's run a game plan that, like, fits the kind of, distribution we want like you're trying to decide how to win the game as opposed to and how it you know, how it occurs than just going out there and doing what you do well and win the game so um it's like you're trying to pick stats like well we want to get 170 yards rushing so we got to keep doing that even though if the, it doesn't call for it at the time so it just seems like something isn't right and if you listen to the post-game broadcast um you know max brown talked about when you get beaten in all three phases of the game, that's on coaching. That's on the head coach. And I agree. I mean, Max Brown basically called out Clay Helton. He's working on the USC broadcast. Uh, yes, this is on Clay Helton. There's a lot of the voicemails. I Pretty much everyone, well, almost everyone, calls for Clay Helton's firing. But there's yes, there's a lot of blame to go for Clay Helton for sure. Uh, and he said that the game went from unfortunate to borderline embarrassment. And I would agree with Max, except the borderline part. It definitely was an embarrassment. I mean, this was a team that got absolutely shellacked by Kansas state last week. And, you know, it wasn't a road game. It was a neutral site game. This is a road game. There wasn't the Stanford band wasn't there. Uh, there was no, hardly any fans. I mean, I didn't hear anything uh, from Stanford fans. Like this was a, and a pretty good crowd. I think the, the student's body was fired up. The, you know, they had a, a lot of stuff going on. They're doing a little more DJ stuff that I'd like. I know they're, they're trying to like, appeal to recruits and different people but like i like more of the band traditions and we're seeing less of that um maybe you go back to it now after that clunker of a game maybe the the team wants to hear the band more than a dj out there but um yeah it just i thought the environment was pretty good you know like, like there was enough people there um but man it just didn't work and usc just came out uh extremely extremely flat okay so we got a lot of voicemails. Why don't we just get to these? Or how, how about this? Let's take a quick break and uh, we'll come back and play, go through, yeah, 20 voicemails. All right, back in a minute. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's go to our first voicemail, Zach in L.A. Hey, Ryan, this is Zach in L.A. I thought my low point was Oregon in 2019 when I walked out the stadium at the end of the third quarter, but this is it. My question, is there any chance Clay gets fired after this game or midseason? Is there any chance he stays? We need answers, man. Thanks. All right, Zach, thanks for calling in. Um, Yeah, certainly low point since Oregon in 2019. So pretty much everyone's asking. Uh, So here's my, I'll give my thoughts here and, you know, I'll probably just share some different thoughts along the way about firings. yeah, I think uh, I think this is pretty much the nail in the coffin of Clay Helton's coaching career at USC. I feel like at most he has ten games left. That is my personal thought. You know, hours after seeing this debacle, um, you know, Clay Helton talked about um, you know in his statement, you know, the fans are unhappy and. Uh, he wanted a message to the fans. And he said, it's early in the season. We lost our comp- our first conference game. I look forward to seeing the production of our team through an entire season and looking forward to see where we add up at the, at, at the entirety of the season. Um, so, I mean, he was basically talking about, let's uh, wait, you know, it's going to get better. You know, we're, this is, you know, we're going to correct this extremely fast. And I just don't, I'm not buying it. Okay. Uh, obviously, but, that's what he's saying at this point. To me, you know, barring some sort of, and you lose to Stanford, like you're not going to win all of your games. Like he literally would have to win out and win the Pac-12 to save his job at this point for me personally. Um, and I, I, I kind of feel like the administration is in a part, you know, they're, they've made, I, I think the administration has come in and people are give them crap. Um, I think they've made the best decisions that they possibly could most of the way through. Like there's a, some things you're not going to like, but I mean, just having the, the San Jose state game was a, a big decision, you know, getting out of that, uh, UC Davis contract. I think they've done a lot of the right things. And I think they were, um, handcuffed with a horrible contract for Clay Helton. I think with only a couple of years left on the deal, now you're open to firing him and they really were, you know, they take pride in what they were able to build around Clay Helton. And I feel like now they're going to feel burned because they gave Clay every resource possible and this happened again. So you have to point somewhere. So my gut is that there's going to be a firing. He will be fired. Will it be at the end of the season? Uh, I don't think it's going to be tomorrow. Like I'd be shocked. Uh, I mean, I, I would, you know, I don't think USC would be wrong if they were going to do that. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think you'd have to look midseason, uh, the bye week, uh, you know, going into the Notre Dame game after the, the Utah game, the Utah loss too. And remember, the Pac-12 still is not that good. But if USC can lose to Stanford, that they're coming off a low point of their season, um, there's there's more losses in there. And the fact that there's going to be more losses means... Um, yeah, I think there's going to be more problems for Clay Helton. I think I feel the same way every USC fan feels right now watching this 42-13 route by Stanford. Uh, it's time to fire Clay Helton. Um, nothing's changed over the past few years. Team is still undisciplined. Still, team still doesn't have an identity. Uh, it's time to let him go. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, he might make the boosters happier, do whatever, but 
this football team isn't getting better, especially with the talent they have on the roster. The offense is still reliant on on London. I mean, Keaton Slovis has, Keaton Slovis has a talent, and he has a talent around him. The offense is over-reliant on London. Clay Helen is, just doesn't get the job done. I mean, come on. I mean, USC should not be losing. 17-point favorite should not be down by 29 to Stanford. I mean, it, it's over. Guy needs to go. I think everybody knows that. Mike Bond needs to make the move now. All right. Uh, thanks for that voicemail. Um, yeah, I, I agree the team's not getting better. The team should be better. And they, they didn't get better from week one to week two. They regressed. They got worse. Um, so as far as Mike Bone needing to make a move now, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen because you are only two games into the season. But I feel like, like I said before, something could happen uh, more towards uh, the end of the season. All right, let's go to uh, our next voicemail. Uh, it's so obvious that Clay is gone. Uh, I guess just who do you think we should start uh, targeting for the next head coach? Um, my thoughts are, you know, Chris Peterson could potentially be a good option. Uh, maybe go find, like, an up-and-coming NFL guy. Uh, who knows? Joe Brady, maybe. Do um, you think we could get Mario Cristobal or – uh, Brian Kelly is so clear, like the team's tapped out and Clay, it looks like the confused Pikachu meme all the time. So this one's done, but would love to know who you think they would target for the next coach. All right. Uh, as far as obviously Clay is gone. Um, I mean, he's not gone right now. He's still the head coach, but who's next? I, I don't think Chris Peterson's coming back. Uh, he's doing uh, analysis on Fox. I just think he's not going to be doing that. I don't, I don't, you know, Mario Cristobal, I'm not completely sold on though that he had a huge win over the weekend. Um, I mean, Joe Brady, do you want someone like that's never been a head coach before? Um, as far as the team tapping out, I think we're going to watch this week. It was uh, talking to USC people. They had a really good week of practice um, leading into this. That's concerning. Uh, you know, source that, you know, we were at practice. I was on practice Tuesday. We can't watch we can watch Tuesday. We can't really watch much else, but you know, people are telling us that it was a good week and they looked ready. Um, as far as the Pikachu meme. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Um, so it was, I think it was after the personal foul penalty. There was like three penalties on a drive for the USC secondary. And I had a iPad up with the, the game on the game feeds. So it's like, you know, we're at the game live and I'm watching like on a streaming thing uh, plus the TV, it's going to be delayed anyway. So it might be 15, I mean, I mean like 30 seconds delay from what I'm seeing on that little screen to what's actually going on in the game. And, uh, I look over at the screen and it was just like Clay Helton with the, you know, his mouth agape and just, there's been a lot of memes like that, but they, they held it on him for like 10 seconds. And it was just, he had this look of disbelief. And I knew as soon as I saw that there was going to be a zillion memes, but yeah, but anyway, um, thank you for that uh, voicemail. Next up, we got uh, Jaeger from Burbank. Hey, Ryan, it's Jaeger from Burbank. Everybody's going to be calling for Clay's head after this game. I just wanted to know if you could list the pros and cons for waiting to fire him at the end of the season versus firing him before uh, before next week's game. All right, have a good night. Take care. So this is interesting, like pros and cons of making a move uh, now. And I think, I mean, if you're, as far as like the co the cons of getting rid of Clayton before were always like contractual. So now you're already into this year for the contract. So this is all, um, it doesn't matter. He's, he started the year, he's coached two games, like that's all um, done. I think, you know, justification wise, Fans feel this is justified for sure, but you know you got to go with the board of trustees, the president. You know he's Clay's giving game balls to everybody. You know, like um, I mean, to me, Clay Hilton's just been. Which, and again, I want to. I say this every time. Clay's been a you know just amazing to us. Uh, you know he'll do interviews, whatever you need to do. He's been very gracious towards all of us, and he's a genuinely really nice guy. Um, but you know you're making over five million dollars a year you're supposed to produce and he's got, got all the resources and he hasn't been producing. Um, you know, 
I think completely justifiable to fire him at this point. I think though, you know, what is your secession plan? Like, what's the plan? Is it going to be Todd Orlando? I mean, Graham Harrell's offense is doing terribly. You want him to be the head coach? Like, he's not even running the offense well right now. Um, I mean, I there's not like a great plan. I mean, I was probably Orlando was playing well, and then or his unit was, and um, but yeah, I don't know what you do as far as that goes. It probably makes logistical sense if you know it's going to happen. Say they lose another game, um, you know. And do it during the bye week and give yourself a chance. Now, we've seen this happen before. Guys get fired at the bye week and you got Notre Dame coming up. That's not a great way for the interim coach to uh, take over, go on the road and play Notre Dame. But, um, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So, uh, And they might just feel like letting the whole string play out and let Clay Helton coach the entire year, knowing that you're going to make a change. It's just better to sort of let him hang himself out to dry because if you lose this game, you are probably going to lose uh, a bunch more. But thanks for that one, Jaeger. And uh, next up, we got Hugh from Simi Valley. Hey, Ryan, this is Hugh from Simi Valley. If there was ever a good time for a quote, how about same crap, different day? I can't wait to hear the post-game press conference with all the new Clay Helton bingo-isms. Should be great. Have a good time. Hey, Hugh, thanks for the question. Um, yeah, same crap, different day. The bingo card is funny. There was uh, there was some tape. Um, you know, they talked about checking out the tape. Um, definitely one of the themes was check back at the end of the season and, uh, you know, we're going to be a lot better. I think, remember, before he would say, like, this team's going to be, you know, a lot better in November. And, and you know, and it's just... It doesn't matter you say that now. I think he said that during the five and seven seasons. Like they were definitely not better um, in November. And, you know, he was asked about regressions from week one. He said, I thought we got behind and penalties early. That set us back. And then we were 414 on third downs, which ended drives. And when you look at it, gosh, it just felt like we just played on a long field all night. Uh, we didn't get the turnovers. We didn't get field position. And that's credit to them. I thought they played great special teams. They pinned us deep. Special teams, they didn't make the critical error, turning the ball over, and they outplayed us tonight. That's reality. No, it is reality, but I mean, I don't think... The problem is he's not addressing things like you went three and out your first two drives, you know, and you, you gave up a long touchdown. I mean, there wasn't bad field position there. Just the offense wasn't going, and the offense wasn't going last week. Um, it's just a lot of that. It's just it, everything is difficult. It's not easy. And it's, there should be some parts of this that are easy. And it's just, it's definitely not been easy. Okay, next up, we got Travis from Portland. Hey, my name is Travis calling from Portland, Oregon. And I just want to know, like, at what point do we have to get Clay Helton out of here? Because, like, every week it's the same thing. Unprepared football. Just at what at what point? Thank you. Hey, Travis. Um yeah, I mean, unprepared football, I think, is a good way to put it. They just didn't look like they knew what was happening. Like Stanford looked like they were a buttoned-up organization that had a plan, they executed the plan, and it worked. And USC looked like they came in hoping things would work and um, just sort of like, we're going to try this, we'll try some of this, we can do this, and nothing worked. They just were not, no one was on the same page. So, yeah, I don't know, Travis. It's a, it's a tough one. Um and by the way, uh, hopefully this works out okay. So I am not in my studio because I'm at home because it's now three in the morning um, doing the show. So I'm recording on my laptop and, uh, a, and a microphone here, but I don't have my mixing board either to put in all the voicemails. So I'm kind of inserting them as I go. So uh, and not, you know, while I'm talking, I listen to them before. I'm just kind of I put notes on what they are. So if I hopefully I'm not getting anything wrong. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm trying to get through all of these, and uh, my apologies. Uh, but next up, we got Quinn in Florida. I'm sorry, Quinn in Fontana. Uh, hi, this is Quinn from Fontana. And I'm still watching the game right now. I just cannot understand why the administration is letting this happen. It's horrible. I. I just have any, don't have any words for it. But basically, Q Slovis looks like he's zeroing in on one receiver, 
and it just doesn't look good. I mean, is there anything they can do? Like, I, I can't see uh, Helton getting through the whole season. It just, it just won't happen. Thank you. Bye, on. Hey, Quinn. So I, I feel bad when you you can be critical of the administration. Um, the problem is, it's got to be critical of the previous administrations, and there it's not just Lin Swan. I mean, there was Pat Hayden decisions, and uh, probably even some Mike Garrett ones. I mean, just there. There's been this culture around USC forever that's just been, um, it, it's just, you know, they don't look for any kind of outside influence. They just, this is USC, we do things this way, and here we are. Um, well, they went on for like 20, 30 years, and, you know, when you don't bring in those outside influences, it's sort of just like this ancestral um, relationship also within the athletic department. And then you kept hiring inexperienced athletic directors, so... All they did was learn what the previous people did. And the previous people weren't making good decisions, but that's how the new people were making decisions. And they weren't strong. So the point of bringing in someone that's actually been an athletic director before is that they will go out and realize that some of these things are dumb and we're going to do things differently. And I think Mike Bone is uh, is doing that for the most part. So I think they've made a lot of good decisions. And I think that's good. But um, as far as letting it happen now, yeah, I, I think... You know, they made some choices and I, you know, I've expressed to people in the athletic department that I get why you didn't make a change. Uh, and I feel like some of it is they know that they can fix some stuff because there was a lot of low hanging fruit. And so they were fixing a lot of that low hanging fruit to their credit because they did a good job of all that stuff. But, the you know, the elephant in the room is you got to I mean, it doesn't matter. You fix everything around Clay Helton. If Clay Helton's the problem, then you're not going to be able to fix enough to fix him. And I feel like maybe some of that's just that was what they were thinking. Hey, we can fix the whole thing. Uh, we can make Clay Helton a better coach. Uh, and maybe you can. But there, the signs we saw tonight were just when you see the same thing over and over again, you got to point to the top. It's the head man at this point. Um, you've hired top-notch people all over the place, not just for coaches, but for strength and for video and recruiting and everything all that stuff is better the same the one constant is clay helton so yeah i think now i I, i've been reserving judgment with the administration as far as like you know i think you should have fired him i get why you didn't at this point forward this is now you know hey you it's time like you need to make a move here and get this program and going in the right direction. And I trust that they're going to do make a good hire. They're going to go through the right processes and, and figure out who's the best candidate uh, for USC. But they have to get to that point. You have to have an opening. And I think it's the administration's do- job now to make an opening. And I honestly feel like they're going to be doing things behind the scenes, knowing that they have to make a move. Um, but my guess is mid-season, you know, bye week would be the earliest that happens. But who knows? Maybe they, they're so fed up. Maybe you get so many donors call. Um, you know, they really want to pack that Coliseum. But this is now, you know, if the schedule's easy. And I talked about this. Like, Stanford was bad. You know, Oregon State lost. They, had, they ended up, Oregon State got a win today or, you know, earlier yesterday, I guess you could say. Um, so props to... Uh, Oregon State, they were, I think, they were 11 point favorite in that game, and they 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 clobbered them. Uh, Hawaii, um, who UCLA hammered already as well. Um, you know, Washington State gets a win against a, an FCS school. You know, so um, yeah, it's the 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 games, but you know, Washington um, Washington State lost uh, the week before, so that was that was pretty terrible to a, a pretty bad team in Utah State. So. You're looking at those first four games. They're just like, yeah, they don't look that hard. Stanford didn't look that hard. Well, you lost to Stanford. So uh, you can't go to the Palouse and lose, but it's not an easy place to go. And if they're in a, have a bad week of practice, who knows? They had a good week of practice and it didn't work out. But um, they got to circle the wagons and uh, and get things going. But I I think the administration was hoping they got through the easy part of the schedule. They were undefeated. And you can sell that. You know, You can't sell getting blown out by a bad Stanford team at home. So knowing that they can't sell that, they I think they're going to know, hey, we got we to gotta do something. Um, so they'll at least be getting ready for it. 
Okay, let's go to Chris in Santa Rosa. Hello, Ryan. This is Chris from Santa Rosa, California. I'm sitting here watching the game right now, and I just cannot believe what I'm seeing. Um, can somebody tell me what's going on? I've been an SC fan since early 70s, and I've never seen such coaching like this in my life. Um, thank you. Bye. Hey, Chris, glad you've been a longtime fan. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> seeing coaching like this. Now, I've seen some bad coaching. There's been some bad coaching over the years. I mean, Larry Scott, I mean, Larry Scott, Larry Smith um, had some bad coaching. I mean, Paul Hackett had some pretty bad coaching. The constant is, uh, you know, J-Rob too, there were some bad coaching. Um, USC's going to have a talented team, but what what can you get out of that talent? And we've just seen them underachieve far too long under Clay Hill. Do you know how many Pac-12 championships USC's won in the last 12 years? One. Yeah, that's not that's not okay. With the most talented roster in the Pac-12 for all of those years, this is the first year that Oregon has a slightly more talented roster, according to the 24/7 Sports. So, yeah, that's a that's a that's an issue for sure. Okay, uh, let's see. Why don't we go to Matt up next? Hey, Ryan, Matt, class of 2008. Just a quick question: Do you foresee any reason? why Bone and Folt might keep Helton for the end of the season. Is it not time to just rip the Band-Aid off and do it early so that you don't have fans become so apathetic that they just stop tuning in or going to the game? Thanks. Bye, on. Hey, Matt. Uh, reasons to keep Clay Helton. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he wants to rip the Band-Aid off so that the fans don't become apathetic. I think that's the big thing you're fighting against, and that's what's going to be Clay's downfall. Um, I mean, if you listened, there were boos. And if you remember in 2019, um, you know, there were calls for Clay's head. There were anytime they put his picture on the screen at the Coliseum, people would boo. They couldn't have comments on social media because people would just blast them. And when he came out of the tunnel at halftime and USC's down 21 to 10, um, Jordan Moore interviewed him coming out of the tunnel and everyone booed. And so you got to avoid that kind of stuff. Like basically in 2019, they were like hiding their head coach. And I think you're going to get to that point again, where they can't, uh, trot him out there and say, Hey, head coach Clay Helton. It's like, people are going to boo. So yeah, when you're now trying to basically hide your head coach, um, and you know, that fan apathy is real. There's tons of people that are on our message board, that podcast listeners, and people have told us just like, I'm done until he's gone. And I, I don't think that's a, I mean, probably a minority for sure, but there's, it's a vocal minority and you hear that a lot. But I think there's significant numbers of people that are just like, I don't think USC cares because they keep this guy. And so they become apathetic and you hope they don't lose them permanently. And some people you have, there's some people that just probably won't come back. Uh, but if you get things going again, you'll get the bandwagon going and people will jump back on. So I think that's where you got to go. So, yeah, I, I think you're right, Matt. You got to rip the bandaid off and uh, go from there. Um, all right. Next up, we got Abel. And I couldn't exactly hear where he was from, but this is Abel. Hi, Ryan. This is Abel from Santa Cruz. And thoughts and opinion on how any recruit can look at this game tonight and say, I want to be a part of that program. We have Heisman Trophy quarterbacks who are commenting, saying how bad this looks. If I'm a recruit and I see an empty coliseum, I see penalties galore, what will this do for future recruitment of the USC football program? Appreciate your thoughts. Thank you again, and fight on. So this comes up some, uh, why would recruits come? Um, so recruiting is more than, a, okay, fan, recruits look at games differently than fans. Like USC craps the bed and loses to Stanford and fans are pissed and jumping off bridges and stuff, right? They're upset. I mean, recruits don't look at it that way. Like there were, you know, recruits staying till the end of that game, which was weird. Um, I mean, the famous Gerard story is uh, Manti Teo came to watch Notre Dame in South Bend play Navy. There was snow. Navy was beating Notre Dame, pushing them around. 
and students were throwing snowballs at the Notre Dame team. And like, Manti Teo was down there. That's the environment he was in. And he went to Notre Dame. Like, it's, yeah, recruits are looking at this differently. USC can still recruit at a high level. Um, now, I think if you got a great coach, you can recruit at a, uh, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State level. But right now, you can still recruit the potentially the best in the Pac-12, even though Oregon's had the, the better of it, just being competent. You know, you're going to be up there. So I, you, recruits will look at this game like you do and say, oh, the sky's falling. Everyone's going to bail. No one's going to go there. No, they still got five-star dudes committed. Um, but you got to keep winning. And, uh, you know, I, I think at this point, you got to kind of do that with a new head coach. Okay, let's go to Joan. Hey, Ryan. Uh Joan Levis here. I know you're doing an emergency podcast after this pathetic football game. I feel really sorry for the kids, but maybe there's hope for the future now. Um, just fire play Helton. Thanks. Here's, I, I left the game at, at, at halftime. It was so bad. Short and sweet from uh, Joan. She's not been a Clay Helton fan for quite a while. And she left the game at halftime. I, I definitely had friends that were texting that were like, hey, I'm going home. And I mean, I don't think the game wasn't even in doubt then, but, you know, it was 21-10. But I think fans had seen enough. And uh, apparently Joan was one of them. All right, let's go to Chris in NorCal. Hi, Ryan. It's Chris from Northern California. Uh, big SC fan and stuff. And watching the game tonight, after the kicker got kicked out for targeting the game was over uh once again these pac-12 refs don't know what they're looking at uh watched it several times on the instant replay and hit the shoulder not the head so i don't know it's a it's a weird wacky season all right ryan I like his decree. Like the first play of the game, once the kicker gets kicked out of the game for targeting, he knew the game was over. Um, and it is definitely a weird, wacky season. It's only two games in. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I didn't get to see a whole lot of the replay stuff. I didn't see people saying that it wasn't targeting in the press box. Um, seems like he led with the head. You know, there's the intent, whatever. There's all the. I don't. I don't. Be, I'm no expert in the targeting rules, but I didn't see a lot of objection to. Uh, the call there, but it was definitely unique. Uh, me tweeting out like right away, like the first play of the game, like USC just got a targeting call on the kicker on the kickoff and he's kicked out of the game. And so luckily USC has Stathouse who, you know, and Parker Lewis was uh, struggling a little bit in camp. And so they kind of rotated both kickers in there. So he, he has experience and, you know, he's kicked off before and everything. So, he came in and did an admirable job, so uh, prop to him. We'll have an interview with him up uh, sometime, too. Okay, let's see. Yeah, because we got to talk to him afterwards. Let's go to Thomas in Malibu. Hey, Ryan, this is Thomas from Malibu. Just got wa done watching the uh, debacle that was the USC-Stanford game today. I can't even work myself into a frenzy anymore. I mean, it is so apparent if Carol Fault and Mike Bone do not get rid of Clay Helton immediately – I think we need to start questioning their leadership ability. I mean, this is absolutely embarrassing. I mean, we need a football team that this university could be proud of for quite a lot. Absolute embarrassment. Fight on. Hey, Thomas. Um, as far as, like, the leadership of uh, Carol Fult and Mike Bone, the president and athletic director, um, I feel like you can judge them now. I think Carol Fult, you know, they figured out Lynn Swan had to go, and that was the right move. I think, you know, bringing in Mike Bone and, you know, Brandon Sauce, I think that's, you know, you needed someone that has experience before. Uh, seems to be working out all right. It's now, though, how do they handle this? And I feel like, you know, it's all great. You can be the nice guy and Clay's great. And I love the game ball and everything. And, you know, but you're here to win football games. You're a university paying him more than $5 million a year. You got to make a tough call. So if if they don't make a move this year, I think, you can blast them uh, for sure. Uh, but I would withhold judgment on that a little bit. Let's see what they do. But th there's definitely, uh, they got to make a move here at some point over the next couple months. And uh, yeah, you, I mean, USC fans want to be proud of the program. And I know a lot of them uh, aren't really right now. A little quick thing. 
as I'm recording this, how the sausage is made. Uh, we're going into, uh, that was 13 voicemails of 20. So we've still got them more. And I'm, as we do them, I'm writing down like a timeline where these voicemails need to be inserted. And I do a little pause. So I'm just trying to like make this work, um, you know, logistically so I can get the podcast up and, and you guys can all listen to it. Well, I did not realizing like I'm writing down times. And if I insert a, a one minute voicemail, like in the beginning, it's going to throw off all the times. But I figured out a little way around it. I'm going to go backwards. So I'm going to put um, insert voicemails at the end instead of the beginning, starting backwards. So the, all the, the timestamps are hopefully preserved. So you guys didn't need to know that. But like I said, it's 3.15 in the morning and I'm trying to figure out a way to do all this. We've never done this before. Uh, and I've been doing the podcast since 2008. So trying to get this done, but hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh, all right. We got another voicemail coming up. I don't think they left the name. Here you go. Man, Ryan, I mean, all week you were telling us that Stanford was butt. Stanford was butt. You were telling Keeley Stanford was butt. Man, did you forget who the head coach on USC sideline was? Am I disappointed? Yes. Am I surprised? Absolutely not. Um, stuff's not changing. This team looks unprepared. The line of scrimmage is bad. These guys, these nerds from Palo Alto that got whooped in Dallas, just whooped on these guys because they got a coach that knows what he's doing. It's a shame, man. Um, UCLA, the way they've been playing, is probably going to put 40 minimum on this team. They're not going to be able to do nothing against them. Don't even get me started about Oregon. Washington looks terrible. Washington probably beat them too. It's just another year, another disappointment as a Trojan fan. But you know what? Uh, This has got to be the turning point. He's a good guy, but he's not the right coach for them. He's not the right coach for the job. And I will forever regret the day that Urban Meyer decided to go and coach Jacksonville instead of coming back to college, which is what he's going to be known for forever. Just disappointed overall on the team and not surprised. But I'm upset that you guys were saying that they were but. I knew in my heart that was going to come back and bite us. But here we are. Goodbye. Okay, so this one was longer, but I played it because they're calling me out for saying that I said Stanford was butt. And I still think they are. We'll see how they end up doing. But they obviously, they played a lot better today. Um, but you're, you're right. Like, hey, I, I did say they were bad. I mean, there was a, there were 17-point underdog for a reason. And you watch that game. I watch, you know, I watch Pac-12 football, and I predicted the demise of Stanford this year. I saw it in the first game, and I was convinced, okay, they're, you know, butt. No pun intended, but they they definitely looked a lot better against USC. Now, how much of that is just you know completely out coaching Clay? Are they going to go back to like their normal thing of doing stupid Stanford stuff? Sometimes um, they pretty much had a flawless game plan and executed it and were efficient. It was the the formula Stanford likes to win, and USC allowed them uh, to do that. And you can't do that, you know, when you're playing a team that wants to run the ball and play defense and. Um, you know, they're not explosive in the passing game. If you watch the Colorado Texas A&M game, Colorado, neither team were doing much on offense, but Colorado had that like seven, three lead. And, um, you know, they could just run the ball enough and, and burn some clock, but they weren't scoring. And, uh, when you ask the quarterback to throw the ball, he just wasn't that effective. Well, all of a sudden, you know, a few minutes left in the game, Texas A&M finally puts a drive together and scores. Now you're forced to, to drop back and throw the football and it just looked awful. Um, you know, you, allowing a team like that to be ahead is a, a formula for Colorado to win. What you need to take the lead, and that's what take, Texas A&M eventually did. Um, same thing with Stanford; they like to play with the lead. When Kansas State's up a couple touchdowns on them, it changes their game plan completely. And uh, USC wasn't able um, to do that. But you know, I talked to RJ Abadia, who you know writes for our site, and he used to be the publisher of the Bootleg, which is the Stanford site. He knows Stanford in and out. Uh, went to Stanford and I asked him after the game, like, do you think you still think Stanford's not very good? Right. And he's like, yeah, they're not very good. Like he, I, I don't think Stanford's a great team. USC didn't lose to a great team. They lost to a, a bad team that played well and USC played poorly. So uh, my apologies for saying Stanford is, but, but uh, I don't think they're very good. All right. This one, um, you know, you get some, Fans of other programs that want to chime in. Uh, this is from a, a fan over in uh, Westwood. 
Hey, Ryan. Bruin fan here. Just think that Clay needs to get extended. Trojan showed a lot of fight in that fourth quarter, and they rallied around Clay. Need to extend them five more years at least. Yeah, uh, and we got another one like that. It was a lot longer, so I wasn't able to play it. Um, and he tried to come off as really sincere, but, you know, obviously. Uh, when you have opponents, you know, fan, you know, your opponent, the fans of your opponents wanting you to do something, you probably shouldn't be doing that. And they all want USC to keep Clay Helton. So, yeah, uh, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. All right, this is, uh, we got a, a, a someone from the med school, Roderick. Um, here's his question. Hey, Ryan, this is Roderick Moore, uh, alumni, graduated from uh, medical school in 2017. Question for the podcast. Are we able to recall Clay Helton, just like we're getting set to recall Gavin Newsom? Can we put together a petition that will maybe influence the higher-ups to get rid of him? He's terrible. He's been terrible. We need a new culture. Thanks and fight on. We don't want to get political on the podcast, but recall. Um, so, so the interesting point is, like, what if the fans had some sort of petition? Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's going to help. I think, I think the administration knows where the fan base is now. They can say that that's like a, a vocal minority and the majority of people are supporting. I, I don't think they can continue to say that, but that's part of it is, and it, it's true to a point where there's like, yeah, everyone you see on Twitter or on the message boards and stuff, that's not every fan. There's a lot of fans just come to the Coliseum and they don't know anything about recruiting. They just want to come and watch their team and whoever the coach is, that's fine. But I think you're even losing a lot of them. And I, the administration, I think they know that. So, um, they do need a new culture. They have to have a, I mean, the, the head coach is the one that's setting the culture, right? And you can hire a great defensive coordinator or a great special teams coach or whatever, but, you know, they can do stuff, but it's it's got to come from the top. And you just see so many things reflect, um, you know, the head coach. And that's, you know, that's what we're seeing uh, across the board for this team. All right, we got uh, Dan and Cavino. Hi, this is Dan from Covina. This goes out to whoever. It doesn't matter anymore. It's terrible. It's just terrible. I mean, when USC got to the two when they started passing, uh, I knew where this bank was going to go. I mean, everyone knows what's the deal. You shouldn't get a job at USC just because you don't get drunk. I mean, we should have higher standards than that. It's terrible. The worst thing that ever happened was Sam Darnold coming in to bail out the coach and giving him this raise and, and taking him all this, this far and, and, and slope it to, to, to a lesser degree. Uh, but that's it. Uh, this coach has been uh, a, a D-list coach from the very start. He should be coaching at junior colleges right now. He has no business being our head coach. It's time to move on. There is no more to see. That's it game over oh man it's a pretty good line you shouldn't get the usc job because you don't get drunk um yeah i mean the whole point was clay elton was the, the adult in the room and so why so why does that matter well because usc made such poor leadership decisions before from pat hayden uh from an athletic director standpoint then you've hired the wrong people. You didn't retain the right people. You got rid of the wrong people. I mean, it's everything you, every decision Pat Hayden made, if you made the opposite, you would have been better off. But then you put yourself in a position where now Clay Helton just, you know, by the, because he was there and because he was competent, like, and because he wouldn't embarrass you, he was given the keys to the castle. And simply because you've made such a horrible decision before, and you bring in a guy that you know have problems um, just because, you know, you knew him and like no other reason. You know, Washington was about to fire Sark and you you hire him away and he lasts not even a year and a half. And it's a huge embarrassment. And then you get stuck with Clay Hilton. So, yes, uh, I feel like that's not a reason to hire someone. But because USC made so many bad decisions, um, that's kind of where 
they were. All right, let's go uh, to Andrew. Hi, my name is Andrew. Uh, I am from California, but I currently reside in Alabama. Huge USC Trojan fan. I am highly disappointed with what's going on with Clay Hilton. I think he's absolutely passionless. He has no passion for what the Trojans are about and what we do, what we're capable of as a program. He goes in the press conferences and he bends over and he just takes whatever comes with the, the tongue lashing. He has no type of grit. I think he's the wrong man for the job. I think we need to replace him immediately. Uh, fight on. Let's go. Passionless. That's an interesting um, word. No grit. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Someone tweeted me after the Oregon-Ohio State game, and Ryan Day basically said, this is inexcusable. Like, this can't happen. This should not happen. Something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. Um, it's unacceptable. And for Clay Helton, I don't think he's not going to come in there. He didn't and just go, that was unacceptable. We can't let that happen. Um, he's going to try to show you like the positives. Well, we did this and well, you know, we wanted to hit this rushing number and we did that like stuff that doesn't mean anything. Um, I get like, the problem is when you hire someone that's like happy to be there his focus ends up being, what do I need to do to keep this job? As opposed to, what do I need to do to go out and win a national championship? Like, Clayle's not opposed to winning, quote unquote, championships, but he would rather do what he needs to do to keep the job. It just seems like the decisions are made are just like, how can I stay here? And instead of just like, hey man, I'm driving a Ferrari, like, I might not be a race car driver, but hell, I'm going to give it a shot and uh, see what we can do. And I think that's the way you have a better chance of keeping your job. Not like, you know, in the beginning, he wasn't hiring competent people around him because they could potentially usurp his power like he usurped uh, you know, powers of those before him when, you know, Kiffin uh, gets fired or Sark gets fired, you know, um, or Ordron walks away, like, he basically was there, um, you know, when, when things like that were happening. So, okay, let's see. We got um, G-Man is next. Hi, Ryan. This is G-Man. How does a university of the stature of USC, such a huge enterprise, be so devoid of leadership and oversight that they can allow themselves to enter into such an unfavorable contract with such an unremarkable football mind as Clay Helm is, to the point at which they're totally beholden to him. How does that happen? Is there no shame at USC, and does anybody get fired for it, such as a general counsel? Thank you. Talk to you soon. G-Man, uh, good, insightful stuff there. He's obviously a smart dude. Um, yeah, I don't know how this happens because it's all about poor leadership. And I think you've had poor leadership at the very top. And just USC was like the successful place. Um, and they just sort of, everyone just kind of did, you know, you're just doing your own thing. But you were like living in this um, like biosphere where you're like, we don't need to know what the outside world is doing. And the problem is you were living in that biosphere and college football changed a lot, you know, and even, you know, the university did. I mean, it was, you're in like this, you know, Me Too movement stuff going on and you have a university president that's only worried about fundraising. And, oh, you have, uh, you know, Dean of the, the medical school uh, doing all this crazy stuff, doing drugs and surgeries and bringing in co-eds and uh, like, well, he gets pictures with Hollywood elite and they donate money. So we're going to keep them around. You know, there's the stuff that they were doing, just poor decisions, you know, leadership wise throughout the university, not just the athletic department. And that's how this stuff happens. I mean, it's, I always say it's like, if you don't pay your parking ticket tomorrow or the next day and you get more and you get more and you're more like you've made a series of bad decisions, but you still drive your car, you know, like, Oh, I'm, it's okay. Nothing's happened to me. Well, then the day comes where you walk outside and there's a boot on it. Like, it's not just like I made a bad decision and I fell flat on my face, like in a second, it's sometimes those bad decisions take a long time and they pile on top of each other. And then boom, you're straddled. You get, you get hit with something later and all those scandals and the fact that 
you know, you could be the premier, like as far as the, the uh, varsity blue scandal goes, no one was more involved in it than USC. They had the number three person in the athletic department involved. Everyone else was just, every other university had a coach. Um, USC, it was a systematic thing going on. And why is that? We had Pat Hayden as your athletic director. He gave all of the power of granting walk-on, you know, uh, admissions for walk-ons to one person, Donna Heinel. And she, she was obviously corrupted and uh, got paid a lot of money to let a bunch of people in and got more people involved. So that's all just from you have a bad leadership stuff. Like if you had a good leader, they would like, okay, well, we're going to have a committee to allow this. Uh, oh, the, you know, this is a big deal to let people into the school. So we're not going to have one person just sign everything. I mean, I talked to football people that were like, yeah, we had to go through her. Like if they're trying to get walk-ons, everything went through her. And then she was corrupt. And so, man, it was just insane. So, G-Man, I mean, obviously you're a smart dude. This was horrible, horrible leadership. Can people be fired? I mean, people have been fired. Um, I mean, the president was pushed out. The athletic director got fired. As far as the general counsel goes, I don't know how, how they would be involved in this. Uh, I mean, I think you have to look at the board of trustees, all of it. Like, these people, they, these everyone was asleep at the switch. Like, you, there had to be checks and balances that you couldn't let this go on for an ever, forever and ever. But it was going on for a long time. So the hope is that you bring in someone from the outside, uh, a couple of people from the outside, and they're just like, okay, we're going to change this, this, and this. But it's a... You know, it's like you want to say the swamp analogy, but just like you, you got to clear, clear the swamp. Um, I think they're they're trying to do that, uh, but there there was a lot of clearing, you know, cleaning out that needed to to happen. Okay, one last one. Oh my God! Yes, I need to leave a voicemail. Clay Helton needs to go now, and he needs to take the air raid offense with him, and whatever staff that he thought that he needed. This year that was going to make them great, they all need to go. This is pathetic. It's horrible. Um, I'm sick of getting my heart ripped out every time my team loses like this. We need to start from scratch. We need to go back, try to figure out what we need to do to find a head coach, to teach the talent that we have, that we get every year with USC, and we can't seem to produce. Uh, on the field, I don't get it. So something needs to change. Go Trojans. Okay. Um, the air raid part, I haven't talked about that too much, but yeah, it's. The, I mean, I guess in the beginning, um, it's not an air raid. It's just not. And it's not an offense that's that's putting a point. Like if, if you're going to say, hey, we're going to run four wides a bunch and, um, and you score 50 points a game, you're like, okay, well, USC fans might want a fullback and student body left, student body right, but they're scoring 50 points. So, you know, Alabama was dealing with it. Like they're, you know, LSU, they were dealing with it when they are scoring a crap load of points. The problem is you had the gumbo and stuff before. You're sort of relying on hero ball. That's where you are now. Like that's what's going on again. Um, why is that the case? I have no idea. It's, it's insane that this is going on. This should be an offense that scores 40 points a game. And Clay Helton, you know, talked about, hey, we want to be at 35. Like, well, they're not that 35. They scored, you know, 23 and then, you know, 21 before the end of the game where, you know, Barlow got that touchdown. Great for him, though. I like Darwin Barlow a lot, so I'm glad he got in for a touchdown. But, um, you know, that was garbage time touchdown. So uh, when the, the meat of the game was going on, they scored, you know, four times. 20, you know, 21 points or whatever, 20 points. So yeah, this is a, uh, this is a problem. And I don't think, you know, I had faith in uh, Graham Harrell and I thought, you know, having the system and the air raid was going to work well, they're going to score and it just doesn't resemble that anymore. And I don't, I can't tell you exactly why, but it just doesn't look like what it did before. Um, and people aren't being schemed open. There's not easy plays out there. There's, contested plays all the time. So you're relying on a really good quarterback to throw some really good wide receivers and make them, you know, someone's going to make a play, but we're not seeing like, Oh wow, they ran this play and this guy is running wide open down the field. We're just not seeing that. And you got to do that in college. So to me, that's a, there's something that's not fundamentally sound about the way they're running it. Uh, just the plan, the philosophy behind it. It seems like we had something that was working well, 
but I'm going to change it. You know, I'm not going to, and it's not what I'm not going to run the air raid. I'm going to run this with a little, this little, that little, that. Um, and it's just not working. You're supposed to run the grass and the quarterback throws you the ball. There's no grass. The receivers are running to defenders. Like they're being defended all the time. And there's, so you got to throw perfect balls or contested catches. And that's just not what this is supposed to be. So something isn't right. I, I don't, I don't want to call it air raid anymore. Cause it's just not an air raid, but thanks for that question. And thanks for all the questions. Whew. Okay. So, um, three 30 in the morning, I've been talking for about an hour and, uh, yeah, well, hope you guys enjoyed it. We need an emergency podcast. I know. And, uh, so we'll get this up for you and, uh, yeah, we'll have uh, Harvey Hyde on Monday. Um, and you know, Keely Yor will be on during the week. We're going to do a Sunday night tunnel vision show. Make sure you check that out as well. That should be a very interesting one. Okay. So I'll just got to wrap things up. I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristel Podcast Emergency Edition. Hope you enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next time. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.